cliffcentral.com. That's right. We are firing it up this morning with the burning platform. It's brought to you by Nando's on cliffcentral.com every single Thursday morning at uh, 7 o'clock. This morning we're joined by uh, returning champions Pumi Mashiko and Lito Ndoba. How's it, Lito? How are you? I'm good, thanks to yourself. Very good. Uh, Pums, you've put on a, a shawl or a scarf there. Are you getting a bit chilly? I'm freezing. Sorry about Dude, that. Dude, I even went to go make tea in the in the little break. I don't know what's going on. The temperature's just dropped. Well, the the temperature was uh, the temperature was on fire, much like Nando's uh, yesterday at the State Capture Commission. So let's talk about that because I think it's something everybody's thinking about. Even if they didn't watch it, they want to know what happened. So did Cyril say anything? Um, first of all, did either of you watch the entire thing? Because I'm sure you had a life to lead. You know, you had things to do with your life. But did you watch the whole okay, thing? Okay, maybe I. Maybe I don't have a life to lead because I watched the whole thing. So. Okay. Well, no, it's a, thank God, Lito, because you, you can then fill the gaps for us. I mean, was it worth watching? Was it worth giving up your whole afternoon for? How did it go? It was the whole um, day. The whole day, yeah. Yes, it was It was definitely the whole day. So I think the highlights were, if you had, if you've ever watched Bird Box, the movie. Yes. This was the longest episode of Bird Box. I think that's just what Sir Ramaphosa has been doing, right? So what he starts with, he starts with this whole preamble that dates from apartheid, mm. like every other ANC politician, right. and tells us how great the new government is. Mm. And then he sort of, he, and he says nothing really particular when he's doing the whole preamble, when he's yeah. doing his opening statement. And then he goes on to tell us exactly how great the cater deployment policy is of the ANC. Um, and he basically, in, at every turn, when they ask him about the likes of Lucky Montana, oh, mm. no, I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't me. When they ask him about the bad um, appointments at Parastatals, at every level of government, he wasn't involved. It's all Jacob Zuma's fault. Oh, really? he, he went rogue and did whatever he wanted to do. Huh. And I think, but also, it, I, I'm not old enough to have seen Hansi Cronier and his whole scandal, but mm. I think that's how they identified what he was doing, what happened yesterday. It was so much pulling of punches. I don't think, like, the, the commission has ever been so watered down before. Oh, really? At every turn, nobody, yes, nobody really asked him, like, do you think this process can be weaponized? He, nobody went in on him and they were sort of leading him into these like, oh no, I didn't see, I don't know, to be totally fair to you, president, I don't think this was you. His phrase of the day was fit for purpose. Hmm. Oh yes, (laughs) fit for purpose. And then, no, 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 Pumi, my, my favorite part was when he says, well, every country has a deployment policy. And so what we were doing is something like Margaret Thatcher was doing, and she used to ask, is this person one of us? And I think that was the seminal moment for me. The problem with the weaponization of the cater deployment policy is if the idiots are asking, is this one of us, then you're going to get more and more idiots piling into government. Right. But nothing, nobody asked him, like, when you are saying one of us, what does that mean, particularly for our nation? And I think that was 
it was such a major letdown. Well, and I think I, I, he's I wanna, got some really pertinent questions to I want to refer to one quick thing here because he said the party is recognized. Now, despite all of this that you've said now, this, this makes it sound like he really made it up as he went. He says, we do recognize that there are 3,301 members in public service who do not have the required qualification for their positions. He said that. No, no, no. He then goes on to add to say, those members, we are not going to kick out. The yeah. people who are not fit for his fit for his purpose, we're not going to kick out. Yeah. We're going to allow them to learn on the job. I'm <laughs> like, so what do you mean? The people who are, who are driving the country off a cliff, you want us to teach them while they're driving the country still? Mm. It makes no sense. I think, though, yesterday's showing was Cyril Ramaphosa being the, the consummate politician because literally the day before, he huge statements splashed all over the, the newspapers yesterday was, vote them out. If, you know, vote out the people who are inept, vote out the people who are corrupt, vote out the people who don't know what they're doing, vote them out. That was, and then the next day, he's just like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to give them a chance to learn on the job. We're going to allow them to, <laughs> to figure it out. We still think that they are fit for purpose. The people that we have deployed, so, we believe that they are fit for purpose. I mean, me- the ANC is not corrupt he says it's not the anc that's corrupt there are people within the anc that are corrupt like the anc is who exactly yeah exactly it's the people that are corrupt that are the anc without them the anc is non-existent basically pumi he's he's living up to your expectations which were very low um and you've been going (laughs) no you've been saying this for like three years now and i'm going to give you credit because pumi has said that this man is he is not what everybody thinks. He is not this master of reconciliation. He's not this incredibly bright individual who's going to lead us out of the, the danger zone. Pumi has said from the beginning, he is a weak, watered-down, compromised person who has a, an ability to to um, distract us from the real issues, but has done absolutely nothing in his presidency that's noteworthy. Um, he was there for all of, of the, the Zuma years. He was there for, he could see in those cabinet meetings what was happening, whether he admits it or not, Lito. And this is basically him uh, having his reputation enhanced by the Zondo Commission because, as you say, they didn't challenge him. It seems like it was very chummy. It was very friendly. It was very soft-touch stuff. Nobody had a real go at him. If you look at how they've treated people like Lucky Montana, and I have no soft space in my heart for lucky montana but they went after him they didn't go after this guy they've gone after jacob zuma they didn't go after this guy they've given him the kid glove treatment and i think that that's just indicative of how many stupid people there still are in the in the in the media that there still are in politics and that there are frankly in the judiciary when it comes to them having an idea of what Ramaphosa is and not looking at what the real person actually is no, but my, my favorite excuse, my favorite excuse, sorry for that, Pumi, my favorite excuse of yesterday was him saying, oh, no, the reason why the whole cabinet didn't know that Bosasa and all of these corrupt entities were among us was because we work in silos. Unless we are interconnected in purpose, like if the, the we have to connect ministries, that's the only time we actually have to compare notes. And so if we don't compare notes, this is what happens. So we are changing that. You are three years into your presidency. You're only changing it now. 
I, I was so mad. Like, I was shouting at the screen yesterday. I was angry, guys. <laughs> Oh, shame. But also, I mean, what do you make of all the people that showed up for Cyril? You know, Gwede Mandashe was there, Paul Mashatile was there, um, Lindy Wesisulu was there, mm. Jeff Khatebe was there. I mean, it, it was just everybody showed up for Cyril. They, they came along, big entourage. And I was well, just like, what do you think it is about Cyril that, that has allowed him to be the darling of the media? as well as those those people that are so enamored by him within the party. I just think um, he suits, my, he suits their purposes. Opinion, yeah, what do you think, Lito? Go ahead. No, no, no. In my opinion, remember that he is the, the good guy with a gun, right? Mm. The bad guys with the guns are the Ace Mahashules of the ANC. Mm. And so if you are not with Cyril, you are with Ace. So if you are not CR-17, you are RET faction. And yesterday, remember what is also happening is that tomorrow is the deadline for Ace Mahashule to step aside. And so you now have to set yourself aside and show which side you're on. Even if you don't align directly with that side's agenda in the factionalism of the ANC, you have to show which side you are. So you have to go and twerk beside Cyril. <laughs> Even though Lindy Wesisulu <laughs> hates his guts, yeah. Right. Um. When it comes to politics, Nidio Sisulu literally does not like Cyril Ramaphosa. They hate each other. Uh, but for the purposes of of the show and tell, to say I'm not with Ace, I'd rather be with this one. So he is the lesser of the two evils because the warmonger is on his warpath right now. We are about to see the ANC blow up into smithereens. Do you think because so? It's Yes. You don't because, did just, you see what Sukuma, you, don't, you don't think they're going to try and paper over these cracks again and have internal discussions <laughs> and more meetings and more committees? And, no. You think it's crack? Garrett, it's time for please. cracks. Did you not see what <laughs> Supra Mahumapelu did um, on Sunday? Yeah. When he went on stage and blasted the whole executive committee and did the whole I'm a victim. He even said, so, and I think this is the final part that people missed. I think I have to preface this. Supra Mahumapelu had like a great performance. I laughed the whole way through. Mm. At one turn, he even shows that one of the people who are going to be at his disciplinary committees was one of his squeezes, one of his girlfriends, because the, the <laughs> operative term for that, no, let me show you why. And people who are not in the in the loop with ANC politics, they didn't see it. The rest of us saw it. So when an ANC senior mm. wants to show that you were his girlfriend, he would then say, I taught Gareth how to drive. I know his problems. When they're saying that about females, he's saying, this was my girlfriend, know that. Wow. Wow. That's embarrassing. It's bad, guys. It is bad. And what is coming in the ANC is going to be horrible. It's going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be funny and sad at the same time because Ace Mahashule is not willing to go down by himself. He's one of the people who will blow up the ship in order for him to be victorious. I'm telling you, if people want to know about Ace Mahashule, they should ask Tera Lekota about it. Tera Lekota, I think, is the most traumatized <laughs> by Ace's life. Tera Lekota... What did he say? He, he... Oh, so when 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 Terra was was Free State Premier, yes, the challenge that came from Ace Mahashule, he literally exploded the ship. He broke the ANC apart 
in order to, to get Terra Licota out. And so today, what you see is an ANC that is being patched up with like um, plastic and, and masking grit. tape. Yeah. And <laughs> if you come to the, to the ANC in the free state, there are no intellectuals, there's no discussions. It's literally just people getting paid with food parcels to mm. go and vote for a particular, um, for a particular uh, candidate. And even now, the PEC in the free state has, was constituted illegally. That's what the, the um, Supreme Court of Appeal said. And they even tried to take it to the Constitutional Court. Mm. And so if you think about that is Ace's legacy. He will blow everything you have up in order to win. And that's what he's about to do. When he said, remember, they said the step-aside rule applies to people who are accused in a court of law. Yeah. He then puts out and says, no, no, if you are accused at all, if there are any accusations, you must bring your name from your provinces. He then picks on Cyril Ramaphosa's favorite, Kusela Diko. He says, no, no, Kusela must also go. I'm not the only one who must go. She mm. must go too. And so what he's doing, he's setting up a, a showdown. He's it's a showdown at, 12, at, at, at midday. Hi. And it's going to be spectacular. All right, so Pumi, you, you pulled a face when I said, are you sure they can't patch this one up? Because they've done it before. They close the doors, they go into their meetings, they shout at each other, but we never find out unless some ANC insider tells like News24 or IOL or whoever it is. Otherwise, we're none the wiser, right? Because we're, we're actually not led by a democratically elected government here. We're led by a party hegemony who get to decide behind closed doors exactly what they're going to do. And as Cyril admitted yesterday, they catered deploy whatever they need to wherever. Now, you, you, you mocked me when I said that they won't do that again. They'll go behind closed doors, try to patch it up more prestic, more prit. Nothing more was ever tape. patched up, though. Okay. So tell, tell me Nothing what... Nothing was ever patched so what, up, what and do that's you, what do you agree with? Do you agree with Lito about what's going to happen next? Bona, Lieto's got it absolutely spot on. There is, there, there's so much, and earlier Sia was talking about uh, megalomania. Mm. What we actually see now in the ANC is we see individuals so out for individual um, survival that they're willing to burn down the entire house for their survival. They're, bur they're burning down the house for their survival. And all we've got here outside as general South Africans, is y'all better be checking who you vote for. Check your vote. Check who you're going to give the seats to. That's what we've got. We're not with inside the ANC. We're not going to be able to make a decision about who stays and who goes on the inside. The politicians are going to politic. And mm. we've just got to, we've got to make our own decisions and we've got to check. And, and all we have is our vote. Thank God we have the constitution that we have that gives us, that gives us the opportunity to change our government. If these guys are no longer speaking for you, use your vote. Find the person that does speak for you. Well, I, I'd like to bring in at this point the fact that the EFF leader, Julius Malema, has claimed that the sudden announcement, he calls it a sudden announcement of the election date, is meant to catch the EFF <laughs> and other parties off guard. Do you think he has a point there? Do you think that there's there's something um, dodgy? Rubbish. Or do you think that that's just nonsense? It's rubbish. Okay. It's absolute rubbish. The EFF would like to see, they would like to see the elections postponed because they're trying to save face. Last week, we were talking about this last week, that they were just by elections in a whole lot of wards. Do you know how many wards the EFF have won? No. Zero, Baba. Zero. 
and and they they are going to see more of that. Unfortunately, the EFF has plateaued. So I saw I saw I saw a tweet yesterday which I, I loved. Uh, this tweet from somebody. I wish I could give her credit, but she said, "If the ANC wins in the next election, I want to know who their Sangoma is." Because I want to know who Cyril Sangoma is. I want to know who Cyril Sangoma is. Cyril has got a strong one, guy. Nobody can be this liked and this loved with absolutely nothing to show for it. And yet everybody still loves this guy. I want to know who his Sangoma is. I'm off to the pop with that for sure. <laughs> no, also, by the way, the EFF, the problem with the EFF right now is not particularly because they it's a sudden announcement of elections but the problem with the eff is that they are a top-down organization right it's like a cult Mm. so they have this Mm. leader who has all the support and then like floyd who has only supporting limpopo and then you know and they are so scattered it's the the biggest problem is that they don't have a bottom-up leadership structure and so none of their leaders are any community leaders and none of their councillors are people who are known in the neighborhoods that they live in they're like the, the people who live on the fringes like the crazy people and so they are scared to put their crazy people in front of in front of a hundred hundreds and thousands of people because they're not going to get the votes that they need you need to build up your crazies to be normal instead they are now trying to bolster up the places that they think they'll win. So like the weakest places like Pretoria, where both the ANC and DA have failed, they're going to go there. And so that's where they're trying to go. Because And then they try to do a run in the free state. Because, But in the free state, you have no EFF members. All the EFF members from the free state are former ANC members who have been disgraced. Imagine ANC members who have been disgraced. <laughs> Those are your people. That's who you're counting on. So it is a it's a it's a local and municipal election. So Lito, what what kind of because I know you've bemoaned the state of your own province and the state of the of the municipality that you're in a number of times. What what good can come for a place like Valcom in these elections? I mean, what can happen that would be better for your for your town? I don't think there's any good at all. Like, no good at all. Because there are no... The problem is in these small places like Valcom and Butsabelo where Cyril was for, for Freedom Day, mm. whatever that is. With the, all the 10-year-olds. There are no opposition. <laughs> exactly. There are no opposition parties. And so the ANC is the default party. And now the big problem that comes in is that um, the ANC members that are there are like the bottom of the barrel. like Because everyone in these towns, remember, leaves to go to Johannesburg. The people who are educated leave to Johannesburg, Bloemfontein, KZN. And so you you don't have any of that. There's a huge brain drain. And what happens is you have the loudest people in the room who know absolutely nothing running municipalities. That's the big problem. And so even when you... And so like the opposition parties, let's assume the DA. The DA is literally outmuscling the Freedom Front Plus in places like the Free State. It's deeply partisan. Like, GA members, don't they don't even come into townships to lobby for votes. They stay in their little areas, in the white areas, and they're just like, yeah. And these are the places where you still have white areas mm. and black areas. And so you'll never find anyone, even if it's a qualified white mayor, Nobody's going to vote for the qualified vote, the white mayor, because of how the, the towns are built, how the geography is, but also how the people in these towns behave.
Leato, this is the moment where this is my favorite moment of any burning platform show where I get to say every single one of us has got a duty to our country. We have to be part, we have to be vigilant and then we have to participate. Because what Leato's talking about right now is the fact that nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to stand up and say, I have the know-how. I can, I can do this. I am willing to do this. Nobody wants to do that, but everybody wants to complain about the people who then stand up, the bad people who do stand up, who say, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. We all, this is, it's more than just about voting, it, especially in the municipal elections. It's more than just about voting. It's about saying, I can be part of the difference. I can be the change. I can be the person that changes the situation for my community, my family, my area. That's, that's what we've got to do. But if, if we're all too selfish, if we all just go, somebody else better get up there and do it. Somebody else, somebody else can do it. I'll just, I'll sit on the sidelines and I'll, I'll tweet them all. Then we're all fucked. It's like, I keep telling you, it's like we're all in the Titanic, whether you're at the top or in the bottom. If we don't do anything about it, we are all going down. Um, so um, to what Pumi is saying, I personally like, the ward councillor for my ward ran away and apparently is in hiding because I I organized the people against him. Like, no, no, no. I, I chose violence. Right? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like we all went and stood in front of his house and demanded that things happen. That's like we stood in front of his house. He ran away, and that's it. Like. We're now in the Wild West, guys. If but you me, live in a just, municipality where things are going south. Let me just explain because um, I, don't want, I don't want Lito to come off as some kind of, um, of, of a rebel in, without a cause. I mean, you have Leader serious... of a lynch mob. But you have serious problems in your municipality. I mean, we're talking water, electricity. We're talking basic services. None of that happens where you are. None. Nothing happens here. Nothing. Like... You, you can't find anything in this municipality. We owe everyone everything. Like, literally, we, we had, okay, we're a town that had 158, um, I don't know, 158 hectares or 1,000 hectares or something like that. There was towards the tune of, of 250 million rand, right? That was the value. And ESCOM just came and took it because the municipality wasn't even using it, right? It's because... The people who are running this place have no idea how to run a government. They think a government is a job. They don't think that government is a service. And that's the problem. And also, I'm not, I'm not taking like these people to go and try and murder the counselor. I'm just showing the people the power that they have, yeah. that this person answers to you. I'm not saying we must go beat him, but we're going to go stand in front of his house every day and demand that he do things. If he, if he doesn't know how to do those things, you have educated people in this world. You have people who will help you. If you can't write, I can write for you. Yeah. If you can't make arguments, I'll make arguments for you. But you're not going to sit on your hands and say, ah, the ANC doesn't allow me. You're not sent there by the ANC, so, you're sent there by so us. Let me, I, I love the fact that Pumi says this, and Pums, you do say it often, and I mean, it's to your credit that you, you still believe in these things because you're not a complete cynic. But I have to warn that most people don't even go to the polls and i'm i'm just worried that if the anc breaks apart and if people go oh well now that one's also screwed up that they're not only not going to do what lito does and what you say we should do but they're not even going to vote 
I think we'll see a lower vote turnout for this election than probably any other election since since uh, you know 1994. And I think maybe people have just given up. They've just resigned themselves to the fact that this is how things are. And you're going to look at a future where there is no service delivery. You're going to look at a future. Many people have already chosen that this is the way that they're going to have to live their life in pure anarchy where you don't have police, you don't have water, you don't have electricity, your sewerage runs down the street, you don't have a job. There's no chance that you can ever improve your life. And all you can do is wallow in your misery. That is an unsustainable. So, Gareth, earlier when we were talking about austerity, one of my favorite uh, pictures from when there was the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement happening Mm. is somebody who had a placard that says, soon the poor will have nothing to eat but the rich. The thing about the situation we are in as South Africans is if you are in in the half of the country that has a job, that has a, a little bit of income, that is able to survive the anarchy, there is another half that has nothing to lose. And so you on your half will not be safe from the other half. We're in this together. We're in this together, guys. So it is impossible yeah, to say, I'm just going to sit behind my high wall with my solar heating and solar power. But Pumi, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying that we can ignore you it. You will get but overrun, the, my But friend. the politicians, no, no, I'm not worried about, uh, you know, trying to make excuses for myself that you can isolate yourself from all of this. I'm talking about how the politicians will turn it into a class warfare where they will they will actually use the situation to their own ends and not to improve things. They'll just use it as another way to divide us, another way to say, look at them, they have stuff you don't. And then what will happen is we'll all end up eating each other, and I don't think that that's going to result in anything but the politicians laughing. That's why we cannot have apathy. That's why we should not be apathetic. That's why we should be like Lieto. We should we should organize. So not only is it about your vote, it's about the people around you. It's about the fact that you can have conversations with people around you and 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 um mobilize the people around you. Mobilize their votes. For what you know, if you if you believe that there is a, a better party out there and that party is whoever is the FF, the EFF, the DA, whoever, then convince people. That's why you you volunteer for these things. Then you be the person that stands in that gap that says to the 10 people around you, guys, we cannot be apathetic. We cannot fall Mm. asleep. We cannot curl up and die. We have to fight for this. (laughs) Well, I I even have a better, I have a better proposition for you. Populate the parties that you hate the most, the parties that you don't like. Populate those. If you have something against the Freedom Front Plus, I know people have been teasing me, but I've said I'm going to start a Freedom Front Plus um, for my ward, and we're all going to vote for the Freedom Front Plus because the Freedom Front Plus has no interest in, in Ward 12 in Belcom and Machadi. has no interest at all. But that could be the vehicle that could change the lives of this ward and the people in this ward. So we're going to open the Freedom Front Plus here, and we're going to be, I'm going to be the candidate and take it there because... That party means nothing to these people. And what does mean something to them is my delivery of what I promised them. And so that creates a much better situation. The party that is most opposed to you, if you're in an area and you say you hate the EFF, go and populate the EFF, open your local branch, 
And now because that party means nothing to you and the people around you, the promises will what will, what will prevail. There are no politicians in this country. Let's be honest. You can be a politician if you want tomorrow, Gareth. Mm. And so we should be the politicians in this country. There are no politicians here. And so we should start being the politicians. Well, I mean... Or oh, you can... Oh, you can. You can start your own, or you can be an independent. That's what Musi is selling, isn't it? Right. Is get a conglomeration of independents. But but whatever it is, do something. Don't just do nothing. You know, I I see um, somebody sent a message saying that if only fifty if fifty percent of the people don't vote, they should dissolve the government. You forget that the government is is actually a democracy. Is a the many who vote, not just not the, the many. Yeah, it not is the many, the many who many don't. Who vote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and the, isn't it is, true? Isn't it no... true to say that out of a population of sixty something million, only twelve million voted for the ANC in the last election? Now that's not eleven. Even, eleven million. So that's not even twenty percent of the total population. You know, so you don't need to have fifty percent of the people voting for you. But I, I am worried that most people are not activists. Most people just want to live their lives. They're not politicians, as you two have already indicated, and they don't have time to be a ward councillor. And and I'm afraid, yeah. I'm afraid that that we we are attracting the wrong people. We're attracting the, the those people that Lito has to go and protest outside the house of. The problem with not being interested in politics is the fact that politics is interested in you. So whether you're interested or not, it is, it's in your backyard, it's in your pocket, it's in everything that happens to you. So you can't just be like, I'm not interested. It is interested in you, my friend. Yeah. Well, B says, Lito, you've got the right idea. Use any party vehicle to stand if you have the skills to offer. So people agreeing with you. And Chris T saying here, Pumi, wow, Lito is making so much sense. For a change, I'm actually agreeing with Pumi as well. Is this the twilight zone? <laughs> I love you, Chris. And I love this from, from Andre. He says, I will never give up my vote. I will vote even if I'm on a drip. <laughs> yes, Andre. Yes, that's it. All right. That's so it. so what, ha what happens in the big cities? Because there it is worth contestation. And you can see that the, the parties line up and they work harder to get the big city votes because these municipalities control so much money and there's so much at stake. And we know that the ANC has been smacked in the face before in the local and municipal elections. Do you think that this will happen even more this time around, or do you think people will, will just stay away in the big cities? Um, no, 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 no. This will happen even more. The ANC in the big cities is about to hemorrhage a lot of votes. Because mm. uh, look at Johannesburg, for instance. Your mayor is going to the State Capture Commission <laughs> and literally biting his tongue every third word because he doesn't <laughs> know how to answer the questions that are pertinent to his particular brand of corruption, mm -hmm. which, uh, by the way, is, is brilliant. He is a great mastermind of corruption, that guy. If only he was <laughs> as efficient as running a government as he is at moving around money in companies and shell companies and cousins, he would be so much better. Like Johannesburg would be so much better. But people are starting to understand, especially in the big cities, discomfort in the big cities is not just discomfort for you. It's discomfort for a hundred other people who are angry and it creates like a hive mind of mad people. Like I've been to Johannesburg before. I want a job in Johannesburg one day, but I think I'm not ready. My small town mind just can't deal with everything that happens there. But I saw it that if one person is in that crowd is uncomfortable, the discomfort sort of spreads like a virus. And so 
in the big cities, discontent, when people are, are fed up with you in the, in, the, in the big cities, they don't care actually like how much um, allegiance they have to you. At some point, they're going to kick you out. And so I think it's going to happen more and more. The big, people in the big cities are also more discerning and have a, a lot more variety of choices. So the people in the big cities, for instance, are, are used to choice. Right, they go to the big malls and they have mm. plenty of things to choose from, and so they know and they understand that choice doesn't mean sacrificing quality. In the smaller towns, is that there isn't that much choice. There is just just the one mall. There's just like the one set of robots in in the like far end of the city, and so you don't really have that mind that knows how to choose. And so I think the big cities are going to be very very. Um, crucial in the next, like in the next election. All right, um, I do want to just look at what else is going on in in South Africa and the world, because otherwise we we tend to just talk about local party politics, and and while that's important in this year, I don't think it's the only story going on. I mean, Pums, you you do watch more of the State Capture Commission than most of us, but there has been a lot of action in the last few days. I mean, we did have Norma Gigaba, which was a bit of a sideshow. But it did show us. It did show us what <laughs> Lito just. Lito just read. Okay. Look at but, Lito. <laughs> but but that was interesting. It did give us insight into how much money is rolling around and how much money you can. And and actually, it's not very expensive to bribe a minister of finance. By the sound of things, I mean to have got what the Guptas got in billions. They just had to send, you know, a few bags of cash Malusi Gigaba's way because he's not used to money, so he has no idea of whether it's a lot or a little. Um, but also for me is, it, it was a, for me it was a turning point, guys. I don't want to lie. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the State Capture Commission has always been. I don't know. I don't remember. It might have not been me. My diary doesn't say that. Mm. It's it's not me, right? But now when Norma comes in. It wasn't really a sideshow for me, Gareth, because she said some very pertinent things. Okay. She showed us exactly what happens behind the curtain. So she was just like, yeah, no, no, no. I heard Melusi talking on the phone, and they said they were going to give him this much money. And our wedding was $5 million, And this was that, and this was that. And, and so, because she didn't understand the implications to a party or the implications to the faction, all she was saying was, what I saw is this. And what Melusi did was that, and what the Guptas did was this. And so when that's the case, I think you you get a case to say, can we not bring in the side chicks and the, the people they party at, with at Cubana and all of these people, let's bring those people in and see what they saw, what the politicians were right. doing. Because, because, but also, it, it shows you how the the... the episode of Bird Box we watched yesterday was not reality. <laughs> Right? Because Silva Maposa was saying these people work in silos and so you could not identify who's been bribed by who. But when Norma Gigaba speaks, mm. she says, no, 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 these people were clicked up. Um, what's her name? Uh, she used to come to, to the house and the, the SAA lady, I forget her name now. Uh, um, she used to come to me Dudumieni. And says, Dudu used to come to the house and whatever and she was friends with us. And so it's not just a couple of people. It's it's bands of people coming together and even pressuring each other at the point at which Melusi also says to his wife, but I'm tired of these people. I'm sick of it. Mm. Now they're threatening my position. They're saying they'll kick me out. And so when you, when you see that, 
you now know that Cyril Ramaphosa was being disingenuous yesterday. You now know that people in the ANC are deathly aware of what's happening. And then he says, oh, no, when, when, um, when, when uh, Mbalula came in and said he found out about his appointment on the media, <laughs> we were all shocked. How are you all shocked? And then what did you do after the shock? Ah, no, we let him occupy the position that he got <laughs> through the media. It means there is, there's no, there are no checks and balances. But I also told you, if, if, if you're going into government, you have to know your price. Because it's not like when you go into government, everyone is going to be good and cordial with you. There are people who are going to try and bribe you. Know your price. But now people are being offered like 100,000 rand um, being like poured into wheel caps and whatever. And so what you are getting is people who don't know what, well, that, I mean, what they are selling is fam- worth. Famously, we had Nomvula, also- Nomvula Mokonyane bought off with a couple of boxes of meat. Chickens. I mean, you remember, yeah, meat. But, but you know, for me, there are two things that, that stood out very much with, with Noma's testimony. And the one is how complicit... South Africans are in this culture. We have on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all of these politicians and their wives and the, you know, all of them, the Figiles and Melusis and Montanas and all of those people flaunting this wealth or the, the, the Bisanas or Mamkis or whatever she's calling herself yeah. today, right? <clears throat> and and you have a whole lot of people like hyping them up. Like nobody is saying, hold up, wait a minute, stop right there. This shit ain't on. This ain't right. People are hyping them up. People are like, oh, this is so nice. When Noma came out and she like lost the last name and she was like Instagram live and whatever, and the thousands of likes that she gets, all of those things just reinforce that their bad behavior is acceptable. The rest of us, we are complicit in it. We are complicit by by turning the other by turning the other way by kind of sort of complaining, but still kind of being enamored by these people and the lifestyles that they live. They should not be living those lives. They cannot afford those things. And if they are affording them, somebody is paying them. The worst thing for me, the worst thing for me, the galling part of of everything about listening to Norma and knowing, knowing what we know. It's not like we have Norma saying it has changed it. We know people. We know politicians, wives and girlfriends. We know who those people are. And we see them at parties and they hang out in the places we hang out at. And you see the cars they drive and all of that shit, right? Mm is the fact that these guys have the power and they have the money and the Guptas bought them with their own bloody money. They gave them they gave them the illusion of power they already yeah. had. Like what the fuck? Like it, that's what's calling for it's me deeply, about it. It's deeply depressing on some level because at the same time as you realize like this is a a country that's got a story to tell and we're all, you know, we're free. And in 1994, we just celebrated Freedom Day and it was a big day for South Africa. And we emerged from this this really strife-torn and ugly history of ours with, with victory. But then you look at it and you say, actually, these guys in the ANC are still slaves. 
they're slaves to money now. And, and a, a foreign family can come in here and they can enslave them just as easily as the apartheid regime did or as the slavers did in the 1600s. I mean, it's just it's that easy. And that bothers me the most is that you can be bought off for a box of meat and you can change laws and you can upset people's lives. and You can redistrict things and you can you can ruin municipalities for a couple of thousand rand. I mean, we're not even talking big money. Um, and so I was, I was telling a friend, I was talking to a friend about this, and it was a colleague. And I said, I, I bet we look like some kinds of monkeys when these people come. Because it's not like the Guptas came in and this was their own little secret. They went back to India and said, hey, guys, we made a couple of idiots there in South Africa. They, you could literally just buy them with anything. But also the biggest part for me is that there are foreign security agencies who are doing analyses of this country. And they also know. So you're China's. Mm. And so they will come in with much more lucrative and more secretive deals because they are good at creating a broken bureaucracy. They can do that to you. And so that's what's threatening for me is that there are countries who could come and use this to their advantage. And by the time we wake up, this country will have nothing going for it. It already has a very little going for it. But when they're done with us, we'll probably have nothing going for us. And the rot is so deep. Like, it, it's director generals. A director general is somebody who went to school, Gareth. It's not somebody who, who just came up and sang a song and then people clapped hands for and said, we're voting for this guy. Those people went to school. And they are all complicit in this. They sign off on these things. And that's what scares me the most, is that people don't even care about their integrity anymore and the integrity of their qualifications. That scares me more. And, of course, all of this would be bad enough if we hadn't just been through the year that we've been through um, and, and if we hadn't had the, the extreme pressures of a, an international pandemic and the fact that we were locked down. All of this makes it that much harder for us to not get back on our feet. Do you guys have anything optimistic to, to direct us towards? Because I always hate it when the burning platform is as, as real as it is this morning, and I love it, but it's very, very deeply discouraging for people. And, you know, as much as Pumi says, well, we've got to stand up and take ownership and take control, I mean, that's, those, those results will be long-term. People are looking for a way to survive right now. I, I can't give you anything. No, honestly speaking. That, that at like, least you're being at least you're being honest with us. Pums, do you have anything? Yeah. Well, I I remain optimistic that there are people like Liado. There are people out there who have who have the, the fighting spirit. And and I think we still have a youth dividend, you know. I think that we have lots of new ideas, fresh people who who are not jaded like you, Gareth. <laughs> I am optimistic for that. I think I do, I really do. I think that there are still many people who are optimistic, who have the, the energy, who want to see things change and who are willing, who are willing to take the take up the baton. I think this, you know. Nations are nations are a long game. Nations are a long game, and nation building is well is a. I mean, maybe for some, maybe for some people, the stuff that we we spoke about at the beginning here, with the with the ANC eventually just the ship cracking in half, maybe that to some people represents opportunity, and maybe that will that will show an opportunity for us to not have the whole country captured by one party. Because if we do have these bad actors, whether they be international or local, and they can get into that creaky ship and they can marshal the forces in that ship 
then obviously we are all susceptible to whatever they decide to do with us. But if the ship breaks in half and there are other ships and we have different opportunities and different abilities and different options, then maybe we won't be controlled and led by the nose like we have been. And we've seen how bad it can be. We've seen how bad it can be. And and so a lot of people want to see change. A lot of people want to see it be better. Mm. And that for me is the optimism. That's the hope. That's the you audacious know, hope I have. You know, but, but my problem is, you know, Pumi has such hope and I'm, I'm happy for it. But I interact with the youth every day, like students, and, you know, the vibrance that and the energy that I thought students would have is starting to wane because of how universities are treating these students. They are radicalizing them or either beating them down to be a drone workforce. And so you are getting the same thing. You see the same results we are seeing with this ANC is that the people who zealously follow them and them being these extreme sort of building blocks for Julius Malema or, or a, 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 an Ace Mahashule. That's what is being built in the universities right now. And I think that's also a place that we need to focus very vehemently on the mm. youth and make young people understand that there is no professor who can tell you who you are. They can tell you what you're learning, yeah. but they can't tell you what you should be. And I think universities are, are, are sort of like abusing their power in that way that they're well, starting to encroach other personalities of these students. Lito, I, I mean, this is an important, yeah. this is a really important question because a lot of universities are teaching people what to think rather than how to think. And they're not giving them the space to develop their own ideas. And therefore, we're not getting people who are learned, uh, people who have, who, have, who have learned anything. We're not getting learned people out of universities. Instead, we are getting either drones or radicals. I think that's a very, very fair point. And it's something that, that, the universities have to take ownership of. I mean, we, we see that, that in many parts of South Africa, the university is seen as the golden key. It's the only way for people to get out of poverty. It's the only way for people to improve their lives. And instead of improving their lives, giving them options, teaching them how to think, teaching them how to develop whatever talents they might already have, instead it's turning them into these political machines. And that's not good. And, and you know, the saddest part is that when when students come into these spaces, they're so impressionable. They they mm. come with this energy, mm. like you see it. I saw when the first years came in, they are buzzing, right? And instead of telling them to say explore all avenues, you now start to shape them. You you want to shape them into the avenue that you're in. Yeah. But you should be telling them so. Go and read for leisure. Here's a book about apartheid that tells you the doctrine. Because when I started out, like when I started my political journey, I actually read Fervur, right? And it scared me that some of his points made sense, even though they were crazy, but they made sense for the demographic he was speaking to. Those were sensible points to say good fences make good neighbors. Oh, I have a fence. I have a neighbor, and it's good so that we don't encroach on each other. But that's not how nations and countries work. And so I had to challenge the, the part of me that thought Fervud was making sense. And so when you do that, you are now building an idea base. You are getting your Fervud. I'm listening to him. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding him. And there are parts of me that disagree with him. There are parts of me that agree with him. And that's the difficult part, is that we think that Fervut is just this bad guy we must stick in the ground and run away from. That's why I started to try and read Mein Kampf and sort of understand what Hitler was trying to do. Some of it I agree with, some of it I disagree with. 
And so you then form a persona that is more that is more academic because then you you can be more discerning of well, what you are hearing I mean, now you, and what you should be But, but you you're talking about a kind of debate which is civilized where people can actually exchange ideas and and, and argue with each other. I mean, I've I've always I remember this one uh situation I saw in a debate where someone was shouting and screaming and ranting and raving and the opponent in the in the debate said I'm sorry, but it seems to me that my opponent has never heard or read a good argument against their own position. And this is precisely what you're saying. It's like, we need more of that. Uh, you said there's a brain drain in municipalities like yours. There's a brain drain in our political parties. It's become posturing. It's become the kind of, of, of play acting that you saw Cyril doing in the State Capture Commission yesterday. And nobody's actually doing the real stuff. So although we live in a world where we've got phones and people are recording everything and everything is, 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 um, is, is documented and people are putting out their thoughts and their ideas and their creative, uh, you know, uh, um, products, whatever it might be, even though all of that's happening, there's so little authenticity in politics. Politics has become more fake than ever. It's 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 playing to the crowd, you know. Um, and that's what politics today is, right? I don't want to say something wrong. Instead of saying I will say something and it will be wrong, and I'll have a lesson from that. What you're trying to do now in in the politics of South Africa and politics all around the world is people trying not to be wrong, and trying not to be wrong is a wrong position to be in. You can be wrong. This is what human being human is being wrong and understanding that being wrong can be walked back into a position of being right yeah because and also sometimes being right does not necessarily mean everyone must agree with you at times it's hard and you have gonna have to walk through to what your point is and at the end people might say oh this guy was actually right but you have to not be soft about it at times you have to be and so most of the people in the country don't understand that because they are so entrenched in what they want to look like instead of what they want to achieve. So that's why we're not going anywhere. That's why you're seeing no five-year plans or 10-year plans in government. Mm. That's why you're not seeing long-term plans, even in local municipalities. If you ask any mayor, where do you want this city to be in 20 years after you are gone, you are asking him, what basis are you setting? What is the foundation you're setting for that 20-year plan? And he will not understand it. And so when you when you now become mayor of Johannesburg, Gareth, you're going to go into an empty office without a, a long-term plan. So you can start your own plan that deviates from the other person's plan. That's how you create a garbage patch. Yeah. You are coming to, you are now bringing your garbage. Something is going to get discarded. The next person brings their garbage. Something gets discarded. And at the end of the day, you are not building for the future. That's the problem that's that's uh, overtaking you, you, South Africa right now. You're speaking we are such overrun. Good. Listen, this is uh, this is almost like a sermon coming from Lito this morning. You, you're this on, is a amen. This you're, is a amen. Yeah, you're on fire, my friend. So uh, Francois says, and I think this is to your point, Lito. In order to be free to speak, you have to be willing to risk offending people, and no one's doing that anymore. No one is because everybody's so careful. Because social media is such a, a, a you know dangerous place. Um, you can be ruined, you can be cancelled, you can be thrown out, you can be ridiculed, you can be destroyed. And people are not willing to speak their, 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 their truth, so to speak. <laughs> They're not willing to do that. Because people are not willing to be uncomfortable. People yeah. are actually not willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. People or are unpopular. not willing to be uncomfortable. 
in in what they say, in how they are perceived, in 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 what they earn. I mean, a lot of people choose to go into the private sector rather than uh, the public sector because, oh my God, I'm going to earn millions if I work for Deloitte as a consultant. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's, well, it's no, really, because we, about... we know, funnily enough, in South Africa, we're one of the few countries where the public service pays more than the private sector. And so, but of course, you can't get into the, pr- no, the, the public. No, the public service still doesn't. The you, public service actually does not pay more. The perception that the public service pays more is based on the fact that people are corrupt in the public and service. And that they work less, probably. That's what it is. And that they work less. They I mean, are corrupt. But Pumi, if if they, if we also just were able to get rid of cater deployment, then there would be opportunities for more people. But unfortunately, unless you are a dyed-in-the-wool card-carrying member of the ANC, you've got no choice, no chance of, of making a contribution in the public sector. None. I mean, if, if you and if you and you and Lito and I had to go and apply for jobs as, you know, not directors general, but something somewhere, we said, well, we want to get licensing at Home Affairs sorted out. There's no way they'd hire me or you or Lito because we're not card carrying ANC members who are part of the cater deployment uh, machine. So there's no way we can contribute to that. And I think that's the saddest part that cater deployment for me, right? was a necessary thing when the ANC came out of exile. Because a lot of it was an ANC that came back and didn't have members. It didn't know the the South African landscape anymore. And so you needed people to put in strategic positions in order for those people to move the the movement forward in in a way, right? Mm. But the problem is you are now having a tool from 1976 because... The, the, the cater deployment policy actually pertains to internal ANC processes to say, right. Gareth, you are going to be an MK member. Pumi, you are going to go into exile and go and take messages to the camps. Later, you're going to be, later, you're going to be a, um, a spy, right? Mm. All of that is cater deployment, but we can't use that cater deployment tool for governance because that's something totally different. All you, all you need in governance is, who is the most qualified? Even if you put your employment equity and your affirmative action, whatever you call it, you still ask the same question, who is most qualified? Because right now, what we're doing is, who do you know? Yeah, exactly. And so what that, what that brings is, but also, if, if you know me, Gareth, and I say, I recommend Gareth, it means you owe me. Yeah, exactly. That is how you weaponize right. cater deployment. So I just want to recognize here B's comments that nurses get, public sector nurses get paid 25% more than private sector nurses. And that's mind blowing to me, considering how much people are paying out there for their discovery medical aids. Well, I mean, B says says she knows from experience. Look, I don't know because I don't have those figures in front of me at the moment, but nonetheless, should it be true, it would be a frightening thing. And I'm absolutely convinced that Pumi's point about corruption is also valid, that if they're earning more because of corruption, still that would be an attractive proposition to some people rather than something that would would dissuade them from joining the public service. Either way, the, the incentives to go and work for government are not the right incentives. 
regardless. Mm-hmm. It's not just about money. It's the wrong incentives. Anyway, listen, guys, I mean, this is, we've, we've, you've given me so much to think about and, and I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling just a little bit uh, emotional about all of this. I must be honest with you. So Lita, thank you so much as always. Pumi, thank you so much. It's the burning platform. We return every Thursday. Today is no exception. And this has been fiery hot. It's brought to you by Nando's. And Lito gets an amen. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> There we go. Little pockets. Yeah. We're preaching out here Absolutely. today. I'm preaching. <laughs> there should be like a background piano for when I start speaking. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll organize it for next time. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a, and have, see a, ya. Have, a, have a good Thursday, and we will see you next week on the Burning Platform. Very good. Cliffcentral.com.